following tip. Good afternoon. It is June 6, 2022. You're listening to a little column A, little column B, hosted by Will Limonos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What is going on, Will? It's been a couple of weeks. Haven't heard. I assume the bear went away, but maybe it didn't. I got a story here that there might be a solution. Is the bear gone? Is it just it's around so frequently now that now you're friends and it's not even worth mentioning to me anymore? Dude, this bear is insanely, insanely comfortable. Like, you know how you walk around, like, college campuses and the squirrels, like, don't care about people because they're just so used mm-hmm. to the, the traffic and all that? This bear is so comfortable out here. This bear's not even scared of my car. Like, I can drive towards it, and it just keeps going. It doesn't look at me. It doesn't, like, deter its direction or whatever route it was on. It, it just moves on with its day. I have to lay on the horn just to kind of freak it out a little bit. And you know what the worst part is? Is it's... It's an obviously cute bear. Like, I can't even admit it. Like, I hate this thing. I got to pick up garbage all the time. It's in the dumpster. I'm worried about the dog constantly. And I still look at it from a distance. It's like, wow, it's, it's, it's kind of a cute bear. But with all that said, it's, it's still here. It, it's not going away. It's a tweener. It's not a baby. It's not an adult, which has me even more concerned for the years a ahead teenager, of us. teenager, the worst kind. Well, I think baby is actually the worst kind because that's generally where the, the mama bear comes around, and that's that's the one you don't want to mess with. That one will be intimidated and will alter its path to protect whatever it's got to protect. And, and the, the in-betweener one, I'm more worried about you know the breeding and then the fact that it's probably not going to die next year. Right? It's probably going to be around for like 10 more years. I, I don't know what the bear life stance is here, but I, I think I, th- I don't think it's going away anytime soon. But do you have, do you have tips? Can you help me? So here, here's something that could help. Unique method haven't heard of it might require a purchase but there's a teacher in canada so this is a canadian teacher a canadian bear so i I don't really know the difference between canadian bears and american bears but they're farther north i gotta imagine they're a little little tougher so maybe this one's you know not not as scared but i mean you're using the 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 car horn so maybe maybe this is not going to quite gonna quite do it but it was not the gym teacher not the math teacher it was the music teacher sees the bear out there he and another teacher try to scare banging some some cans together bear doesn't care so the teacher goes you know i got an idea i'm a music teacher goes in grabs a trombone starts playing the trombone oh yeah that scared the bear away he wanted he was startled he wanted no part of that so maybe you're gonna have to acquire a trombone i don't even know where you do that but start practicing playing away and maybe terrible terrible music will be what scares your bear away Terrible, terrible music. Ooh. Uh, so the thing is, I don't even need to learn how to play the trombone. I just need to get a trombone. And just, I think so. And just That's make noise. I, I, I was just, I was, maybe I jumped a little too far. Maybe it was a little too mean to say that your trombone playing was going to be terrible. I was just assuming, you know, you pick up an instrument for the first time. Maybe you'd be too good. Maybe you play the trombone so beautifully that the bear would just, like, plop a pop right down i do have a history with the trumpet i never did the trombone trumpet though i i I did play the trumpet for you know whatever the three-week period of a childhood interest is it's it's, you know it's it was short-lived but we had it in our possession i think we did a couple classes on it and then we were like you know what uh maybe not maybe not this one is that still in storage somewhere could you get that out of storage and maybe i i'm not a musical uh genius but trombone trumpet i mean they're in the same sort of sort of family right i i think so but i i also you know what i'm no parenting expert here but i, I think these are this is an option where if there's an option to rent an instrument you rent it because like i said the, the the mind might change very very quickly based on 
you know, oh, are you doing it because your friends are doing it? Or do you actually have interest in it? Or do you think you'll look cool and you realize how hard it's going to be? And then you just quit anyways. I, it was a rental for sure. There's no way there's a trumpet somewhere at the house. That, that That's not true. Uh, you know what? Well, while we're on the topic of music here, do you want to just jump into the Stranger Things stuff? Sure. If you if you haven't seen the new season, we're not we're not going to spoil anything. Or if you're unfamiliar with the the Netflix original series Stranger Things, it's a fictional I I don't even know what to call it a fictional family horror story. <laughs> is is that is that poorly? Yeah, it's a it's it's a, it's a dramedy. Uh, I'm not sure how you you haven't come across it at this point. It's one of the one of Netflix's most most popular shows and. This was this was season four, so it, it, it's been a while, around a while now. Well, anyways, within it there are fictional monsters and a essential fictional multiverse to to another degree of of another, I don't another universe, another living area outside of what we're used to to our day and day. So there's like another thing involved. In that. It's not a whole lot of related to it all. Uh, it's just more of to give you an idea that this is fiction, right? This is this is crazy stuff happening here, right? That doesn't entirely make sense. They found in some part of the season that apparently playing music helps people get out of whatever trance they're under from the monster. And we wanted to go back and forth, talk about what our songs would be to get us out of whatever trance. I mean, what do they call it in the in the series? I'm talking like I'm an expert on it. I just watched this yesterday for the first time. Yeah, yeah, you you you, you know that. I mean, the, definitely definitely some some spoilers there, but yeah, it's. It's a you know it's it's a, it's a fictional world. It's like the, the the rules are made up, and this is the the way the, the the girl is in a trance. They're trying to figure out how to how to save her. No one's been saved so far. Some really disastrous things happen if you don't get saved. So they're friends, and they know. Oh no! They they find out. Hey, it's got to be a song, and they have her because it's the eighties box of uh, cassette tapes, and one of the guys knows exactly which one to grab and which one to to throw on. So, yeah. So, so we thought it'd be fun then to try and guess each other's songs of what would get them out of the trance because th- there's no way you're going to guess mine, and I imagine I'm going to be nowhere near yours. But I, I'm going to just just throw it out there right now. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple guesses here. My my first guess for you is is going to be uh, Daylight with uh, Matt and Kim. I'm, I'm, that's I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I would say I would say that's a good one. That's a very upbeat song. So you know, even if that wasn't you know, my, my number one, it's like you, you put that song on and kind of any, any scenario and that's going to help you to get out of a scary situation. And I think for me, you know, the first time that, that I heard the song was just like a really fun music festival in college, just with you know a bunch of college friends. So it just brings back a lot of positive memories. So yeah, you nailed it on the first one. Was, was that actually the top one for you too? I didn't. I didn't write them down. I kind of had a general general okay. idea. It, All right, it's, it's, I, it's, I, I got I one. Like I got one. That's pretty good. You know how many songs there are. You know how many songs I oh, like. Yeah. You, there's there's a thousand songs you could guess right now that I could have written down that said. You know what? At one point in my life, this probably would have been the song. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's like in the show, it makes it like, oh, this is like the favorite song. But like we're we're a little bit older now. I mean, when you're in middle school, you might have that one song. It's your first favorite song ever, so it helps to narrow it down. Where you know your favorite song today might be new, or it could have been your favorite song five years ago, and now it's come back around. You know, it's it's a little less of just like oh, there's only this one all of the time. Well, I think it's also funny because we did mention this, but it's in a different time era than today. It's not in today's time. The show, so. Today you have access to streaming services and all of this. You mentioned it's on cassette tapes. 
as well as there's only so many artists releasing songs during this era, and I'm sure there's still enough songs that it would be hard to guess someone else's, but you're not going with today's catalog where there's a million different songs, a million different remixes of those songs, and probably like an acoustic version, an acapella version of, of today. Like Then it was like, this is it. You know, This is the only song. This, this, this artist releases two songs every year. These are going to be amazing songs. You're probably going to have them on repeat. All right, you want you want to take a shot at some of my songs here? Uh, I see you, you being a, a DJ, and I am much more on the pop side of things. Of just most of the music that I like, it's like everyone's kind of heard of it. But you, you dive much much deeper. I feel like it's almost the same way I treat television. Where when people tell me what their favorite TV show is, it's just I'm like trying to figure them out the same way I imagine you do with with, with music. So you make sure, like, oh, the stuff that I like, I want to know, like, when other people ask. If you don't know, like, ah, okay. So I was going to say, would it be something by Hobson? No, no, definitely not. Didn't, no, okay. didn't even make the uh, list. Um, the other one was, uh, I, I had it yesterday, and now I can't remember it, but it's that crazy music that's, like, rock and rap. Uh, Death Grips? I can't. Death Grips, yes. I All the songs sound the same to me. I tried to listen to that album, and we did. I think that we, actually we did it for the for the podcast. So, Death Grips. There's Death Grips on there. I think it's a little bit almost the opposite of mine, but just on the all right, monster. You're trying to get me in a trance. Well, I'm gonna like one up your like scary trance. Yeah. I, if anything, I think you listen to Death Grips when you want to go to the trance. It's it's the opposite. <laughs> I, I think there's there there. I do. I did write down some Death Grips songs. I'm not gonna get into the specifics of it because there's no way anyone else is a fan. And if you do go look it up, well. I'm sorry. I just I like the energy of it. There's not a whole lot of music like it. When you listen to a lot of music, you look for a little bit more unique stuff or a little bit different stuff that makes you feel just just a different way. All right. There's an energy with this. I've been to their concert before. It's a bizarre group gathering of some interesting characters at this concert. I, I don't know how else to describe it other than, man, there's some high energy in this. Just high energy. So that that's 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 a great guess right there. I'm shocked you even were able to kind of pull that one out. I I definitely uh, I wasn't wish, expecting you to I, guess. I, remember, it. I was, I was just, and there was nothing I could even Google right now to find it. And yesterday I knew it was just, it was all right, death curse. So I'll have to ask him about that. And then today it just was like, uh, just out, out the window. Yeah, I, Death Grips is a good guess. I, uh, the Money Store, I, I actually just listened to this album the other day. This album came out probably like 10 years ago, and I just listened to it again the other day. So it's, it's very <laughs> much still in the rotation. If it was a cassette, I probably wouldn't leave home without it. But all right, so I feel like we actually got this. This this is why we're podcast hosts. We we actually know each other. We actually like each other to some degree. That was pretty good. Well, my thought was uh, I had a chance to be saved, and clearly you were you were right on it, and that you you were you were screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, was, yeah, I was like the Kanye like unreleased the song pretty, uh, <laughs> titled something else. It was wasn't going to be your guess, I imagine. <laughs> and I just thought it was funny too of. Uh, the, these guys knew exactly the the, the timestamp on the cassettes, and that's probably something that you needed to know so you could get to, you know, your your song where we just did not grow up really with uh, with cassettes. But just thinking about just all the the modern problems that would happen, of oh okay, Will's Will's probably got on his phone. Oh well, we can't unlock his phone. Okay, well I got my phone. Uh, well. The, the 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 there's no wi-fi out here okay well <laughs> let, let, let me try uh this oh well <laughs> and then you get to 
Oh, okay. No, no, I found it. I found it. Oh, would you like to join Amazon streaming service? Amazon streaming service costs $6 a month. Would you like to sign up now? Like, yes, give all my information. I need this song playing right now. I. It's funny because in the, in the show, the, the worst thing that could happen is the, the cassettes not rewound. Like, like, they, like there's a there's a vulnerability where it's like we need to restart the song so we can be ready for it again. But it's been playing. We got we got to rewind. Rewind is such a weird term to these days. I don't I don't know what kind of relevance it has. Like, like you don't rent movies anymore, and you used to have to. The the noble thing would be to rewind it before you set set back the tape. You know that 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 doesn't really have a relevancy to this. I, I will say in the show that they're, they're um one of one of the guys uh, they they work at a, a movie rental. And and I feel like we kind of missed the boat for that dream job of being a movie rental spot. Like I, I know Tarantino was a big guy into that. I think a lot of movie directors actually started as a as a movie, working at movie rentals. Uh, do you think we would have enjoyed that job in the right era? I think it was a pretty pretty short lived era, and you really had to be the, the the correct age because it's really like a I gotta imagine a, a high school college sort of job. Where once you, you you get a little bit older, the you, you just get to sit around and watch movies as your job all day. It's the, you, you don't really want to do that anymore. Oh, I, I think we are doing it. We're just doing it on Netflix. We're watching the show about that on Netflix at home. Ah, that's such a small part of the movie or part of the show. Ah, it's all right. I I just I thought about it. All right. I I'll, think Tarantino I'll... helped to kind of like romanticize that. And there's been some other. I can't. You you, you mentioned other directors and I. I don't know if it's director specifically, but I feel like there's been other people that have done the same thing. Maybe it was like Seth Rogen or something, but I think they've kind of romanticized it where uh, most people, it's just, all right, you just right now movies all day long. And you think, oh, you get to watch movies all day. It's like, well, you get to half watch a movie or maybe it's even worse of your boss tells you what movie is going to be on and that's what's ever the most popular one. So it's almost if you, uh, you know, you're working in a restaurant or people that are working retail at Christmas time and Oh, isn't it awesome you get to listen to Christmas songs? Yeah, it was cool the first half of the first day. And now that I've listened to these songs every time, I feel like it's making me hate Christmas a little bit more. I think I think you're downplaying the uh, the special adult room in the back, too. But uh, that, that's that's for another day. Maybe a different other mm-hmm. podcast. Perhaps we should get back onto a sports podcast like we normally do where the NBA Finals are happening. I know we managed to go almost 15 minutes without mentioning not only the Celtics, but the NBA Finals, which is all tied up. We have... A game one result and a game two result, you kind of merge them together and nothing makes sense at all. I, I felt really good after game one. I don't feel so good after game two. But with all of that being said, Curry has been really good. And there's this weird strategy where we're kind of letting him shoot. And I think in game one, we were able to shut down a lot of other people. But how bold of a strategy is it to say, you know what, Curry, go for it. Go for 40, go for 30, go for whatever you need to get. And let's try and slow down everyone else. See, in game in the first series against the Nets and in the Milwaukee series against Giannis, I think that was some of the plan. Of, I, I think we really let Giannis just do do what he had to do, and then by the fourth quarter, sometimes he was just he was just toast. I don't think that was the plan with Curry. Uh, I think that we came in and the Warriors run a completely different offense than than we've seen. Uh, I saw it getting compared to if you're going against a, a, a knuckleball pitcher and then all of a sudden the reliever comes in, he's throwing 99, and it's just, just okay. It's going to take a couple of pitches for me to re- regroup here. So I think that we – you know, it's Steph Curry. You have to know where he is. You have to be on him. And we just 
weren't all the way focused yet. So I, I don't think it was intentional to say, yeah, we're going to leave you kind of open and we're going to dare you. It's like, no, no, those were complete brain farts and we, that can't be our strategy. Well, we haven't been really trapping on the screen and the screen and rolls or screen and pops or anything like we're, we're letting the guys dropping off the screens for Curry, which is there. I mean, you don't need to be even a basketball fan to know that that's a bad idea. Uh, to let Curry get an open shot off. We've done it multiple times. Now, the interesting thing is in game one, I thought it helped us going big because they're not that big of a team. And I thought we did a really good job rebounding and as well as getting rebounds out to fast breaks, which just led to easier points. Game two, we kind of do the same thing, but we get burned on the threes by Curry and we don't rebound very well and we don't fast break very well. So it was like, well, what's the point of going big then? If anything, maybe we just go with a smaller lineup. It's going to be an interesting coaching battle to see what kind of adjustments we make, as well as what kind of players stay playing the way they are. We had a good Jordan Poole game. We've had maybe, I guess you could say, two decent Derek White games. I thought he was really good in game one. He, he was still pretty, he was okay. He was okay game two. Like, I don't feel like we lost the game because of Derek White game two. So, we'll see if those guys kind of continue to go on with that. I, Poole, Poole's a definitely a wild card factor where I, I, it's not that I don't believe that he's capable of doing that. It just feels like he's consistently showing off when they're up 20 already like he's he's not part of the 20 run he's he's the run after they've gone up 20 and if we just don't let him go up 20 I wonder how much of a factor he truly is but I've seen him go on on and off throughout this entire season he, he's obviously a capable player I just he seems a lot more comfortable when they have a lead versus when they're down as well as I mean I hope Clay plays more as a Celtics fan I don't think he's played well at all like I'm rooting for Clay to shoot more. He's never passes. He's constantly just firing everything up. He he forces a lot of fadeaways. He does some weird post up stuff that maybe used to be really effective, but just hasn't quite been. And and I'm I'm all for it. Like I I think they're going to be in a really weird position where they're going to have to decide who to play and whether or not Clay is even worth having out there. And I didn't expect to say that at all this series, but I see it already. As a Celtics fan, I'm happy when Clay's out there because I don't think his defense has been that good. And I think, if anything, he's the ball stopper that doesn't even stop the ball. He just shoots. And perhaps that's what you want him to do, but there's there's other guys on this team. Like I just mentioned, Curry and Poole, very capable shooters that are capable of maybe doing a little bit more than just shooting. Are, are you are you on are you on board with all of this? Are you, are you going to say, see, well, we let Clay go off game three and four, and, and we're paying for it now? Yeah, that's he, – he, he, didn't, he didn't play well. Four for 19, one for eight from three. But I, I don't have that. Oh, yeah, Clay shooting. I, I feel I feel good about this. I still have that. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Oh, okay. Oh, we dodged. We dodged the bullet there. We dodged the bullet there. When when Draymond goes to shoot, I have the, yep, fire fire away. Similar to when, when Giannis was shooting. Yep, fire away. Uh, th- this is the, our best option. I, I think that Clay will get it together at some point. I don't think he's going to shoot that that poorly again. I don't know if he's going to have a, a vintage clay performance. I really hope that he doesn't, but that would not surprise me if one of these third quarters that the Warriors have, if it's, yeah, clay had uh, 21 in that third quarter. Well, the, the other thing that everyone feels like, oh, well, clay's not back or he, he may not ever get back. It's like, it's been one year. Like, look, give the guy some time. Like he, he might be poor in these finals. He might not even be that great these whole playoffs here. But I promise you by next year, 
he'll have it all figured out. He'll be back again. It's, it's just, it takes time. He, we didn't play for a really long time. And we're playing at a really high level with uh, with high-level teammates as well as high-level competition it's on the, the other end. Yeah, this is supposed to be hard. I, the, the, the amount of media today of just seeing, you know, Monday quarterback and being like, oh, my God, you know, they, game one was a fluke. You know, game two is really what it's all about. It's like, no, well, both these teams are good. It's not easy to get to where they're at. And the roads that they got there have been, you know, obstacles for sure. I don't know. <laughs> If you could argue the Gold States was slightly easier, but I mean, Luca's not not an easy you know matchup. We, we his team might not be that you know impressive, but you know you had to go through some battles to get here, as well as I think both teams have some battle wounds and recovery. You know, Time Lord's on one leg out there. I don't know what's going on with Marcus Smart. I, I think it's noble of both of them to be out there, and I think we need them out there. But you know, we're talking about Clay maybe not being a hundred percent. I don't think any of those guys are hundred percent either. I'm I'm waiting I'm waiting for the Tatum shoulder injury to come out any time right now because I, I feel like he's been a little weird with that as well. Uh, but you mentioned Draymond Green and allowing him to shoot, and it's like how does this guy have so many, you know how how does this guy have so much influence on this game? Not being able to shoot, he hasn't been the playmaker I I, I think he once was, and I don't think he's been the defensive stopper he's been in the past either. But what he has been is, is the the Patrick Beverly instigator of all of this, where there's like this differential that he's just able to score on these referees somehow and just get his way I don't understand how his character is ever a benefit to him if anything he should constantly be a disadvantage now I don't agree that they should have thrown him out on all that but there's just something you got to keep an eye on we need to have a consistency in here where we don't let guys do this any other time of the year and we're not going to call it the way we've been calling it all year because it's the finals it's it's like well how do you get to the finals i gotta deal with you guys officiating in a certain way until i get to this like when is when's the line of this is an important game we're gonna stop calling this kind of stuff like where where, where's that line because that's the problem with with doing officiating this way where we're not only gonna stop and review things but we're not gonna even rule on it we're gonna act like we just want to let the guys play And, and i'm all for that but draymond if anybody should never get the benefit of the doubt as well as it shouldn't. It shouldn't even be questioned. We shouldn't even be reviewing it. It should be Draymond did this. That's a problem. It's totally likely. It's happened before. It's not that unforeseeable. It, it's frustrating to me and honestly embarrassing to me that a guy who's honestly not good at basketball is having that much of an impact on an NBA Finals game. He can't shoot. He's awful. It's 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 just completely frustrating. And I know this is insert Pat Beverly's name instead right here for this rant, but. That it's a, it's a problem. I don't like that the NBA is rewarding guys who are not good at basketball, and that they're able to do all these little tricks and fake and all that. And it's it's just it's worth it if you if you're winning. But I don't think that's what we should be promoting is winning. Like Draymond should be embarrassed as a basketball role model. And I guess he who cares about being a basketball role model? But he probably should. Every other guy out there does, especially some of his teammates, especially Curry. It's just unnecessary. We don't need any of it. It's it's delusional to think that this is a better basketball product with all this nonsense. I I can't believe that they had the referee, the the, you know, the, the former referee that comes on whenever they're doing a review and saying, well, you know, you got to look and you got to you know take into account that he already has one technical. So if you give him a technical here, that means that he's out of the game. There's a reason that you get two technicals because if you get one, then you know, don't get close to the line. And Draymond got close to the line repeatedly. I think it might be a little bit aggressive to say that he tackled uh, Smart, but he landed on Smart. He landed on uh, he, he bowled over Grant Williams. He bowled over Smart. Just uh, both of them. So there was a blocking foul on Smart. It was a blocking foul on Grant. 
Maybe the smart one was a little, a little closer, but the Grant one's like, what do you want Grant Williams to do? He just bowled him right over. I think there was another one with uh with Al Horford where he just like ended up on top of Al Horford and no calls, nothing. And I felt like we were driving to the hoop, trying to be aggressive. We were getting getting no calls there. And yeah, Draymond was just yeah, I saw the, the the nice way of calling is saying he was a, he was an instigator. I'm trying to remember there was a, there was another term that they they used, which was just like these are like the nicest ways you could say that he's just doing all of the non-basketball things and like saying like, Oh, well, you know, that's, you know, it's the finals. just trying to get into guys' heads and doing that. It's just, what, why, why, why are we, why are we rewarding this? You're not doing basketball things. And I think it went beyond just, Oh, well, you're trash talking. Hey, if you're trash talking and you're getting in somebody's head and you get them to, you know, lash out. Okay. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Go for it. But this, this was just, you know, he's, he, uh, had wrapped up uh, Smart's arm at one point, and you know, of course, Smart has a uh, you know his own, you know, trying trying to get plays, and so I'm sure he was trying to gain advantage there as well. But he he's going to be in for quite the reception when he gets uh, in, into Boston on on Wednesday. But they're these are professional professional. I'm saying that word specifically here because I pick on college amateur athletics constantly on this podcast. These are professional athletes. Why why are we doing this? This isn't a rec league right now where you're going to try and trick the referee into, you know, making some underdog superhero story here. Like this is the NBA finals between professional basketball players. It wouldn't hurt you to act like one, would it? Everyone else is doing it, and I don't understand why it, it, it's almost like we want more like do we want more Draymond players? Do we want more Patrick Beverly's? Do we want more Kyle Lowry's in the league? Do we want more Marcus Smart's in the league? No, nobody is rooting for all this, so I don't understand why they constantly allow it. It, it gets easy to point the finger at them because it is only a couple bad apples, and we're just and like, oh well, that's that's just Draymond being Draymond. That's that's not okay. I don't understand the exception of all this. I don't understand why the referees don't have a vendetta against them constantly every single game. I mean, Rasheed Wallace, all of these guys of the past year, they didn't get the benefit of the doubt. Like, do you think when they watch, like, Steven Jackson, Rasheed Wallace, when they watch these games right now and they see the stuff that he's getting away with, that Patrick Beverly gets away with, that they're like, this just isn't fair? Like, there's so many close games that those guys were in where if they'd lost their cool or done anything like that, their careers would be altered entirely. It, it just doesn't seem fair to me. And I know this is a biased Celtics fan complaining about all of this, but I, I feel like I've been consistent about the Lowry and the Beverly stuff all through the playoffs, all through the season, that this just isn't good basketball. It's 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 awful. It's not fun to watch. It shouldn't be fun to root for. And it shouldn't be something anything anyone aspires to. Like, you're not a hero. You are a terrible basketball player that is cheating his way to convincing everyone that you're a really good team. And you're just not. And you don't need to be either. This team's beyond qualified. to do. You don't need to get cheap shots. There's no need for it. As well as there isn't a rivalry here. Like, who does he think he is? Like, this isn't, this isn't like, you know, I don't even know who the rivals would be. I mean, you could argue it might be Cleveland, but if you ask me, their biggest rival right now is Kevin Durant, and he's not even on the team. Like, this is this is such a weird thing that he's playing this way. And it, maybe it's just the competitive nature of it all, but that's that's just bullshit for me. I'm not buying that. <laughs> it, it's, it's just a head-scratcher every single time I see it. And I, I don't know if it's ever going to go away. And if anything, this is the the worst taste that you're ever going to have in your mouth after an NBA basketball game is watching guys like that constantly do this and everyone be like, well, you know, we already got one T and, uh, you know, we didn't want to throw them out because, you know, we, we want that's, the we yeah, want we want the best product out there with the best players. It's like, well, get rid of the guy who's not playing yeah, basketball. Action, then. Yeah. Actions have consequences. You already got one technical. You can't 
get into it with anybody, but unless you're Draymond Green, because that's what he did last night, and they let him get away with it. And I hope that that's one of the reasons that Ime got his technical in the third quarter, because it's been happening, and I don't know how many he's gotten this year, but it's pretty few. It's few and far between. He hasn't. He's not got very many of them, and it was at a point in the game where I think he, he he wanted to get his money's worth, and I don't think that it was just a for this game. It was, I got to let you know how I'm feeling, so you will do the right thing, you know, going going down the line in the, these future games. It it's just unprofessional is is the best way I think I could describe it. It's just unprofessional. It's 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 dirty. It's unnecessary. It's just unprofessional. And they're professional athletes. They should know better. But you know who am I? Who am I? Who am I to say this? You know, I mean, like I said. Al, Al made a comment after the game. I feel like all of the Celtics, they didn't bring up the referees or didn't answer with referees specifically. I think they all were far enough away to say to, to avoid a fine, but I think they all kind of made some sort of comment. But uh, I liked Al's comment the, the best, saying, hey, I'm looking forward to coming back to Boston on Wednesday, playing in front of our crowd. It's going to be great. Where the Warriors fans, they're good. You know they're definitely they get loud, especially when Curry gets going. They oh, it's it is not fun as the uh, the opposing team, but where they booed smart a little bit, kind of right off the tip, they'll boom a little bit. I I don't Draymond's not going to get the uh, the Kyrie treatment or the LeBron treatment, but I think he's gonna he's gonna get more boos than the uh, Oracle was handing out to to um or I guess not is it yeah it's Oracle yeah that uh then they were handing out to to Smart. Is there a little concern that the Celtics have been a really good road team and not necessarily a bad home team, but just a better road team? I, I, there's no other way to kind of say it. We, all of our big wins have all been on the road, and all of our bad losses, that games we should have won, have been at home. Any concern? We seem it just more to do with alternating. It's we win a game, and then we say... Ah, we're set now. And then we lose and go, oh, <laughs> not going to let that happen again. And then we come out strong. And then it just seems to be kind of flip-flopping back and forth. So just hopefully we have that. We're not going to get punched in the mouth again. Because we really, we started the game well. We started, I think, five for five. We uh, we jumped all over them where I thought, I, I mean, it turned out it was a blowout. But I thought we were going to get blown out right from the beginning where the Warriors just were crazy desperate. We were not desperate because we had already won a game. So if you can get one win on the road, you are, we flipped it. Now it's now it's home court, and like you said, we have not been as successful at ho- as at home as we have been on the on the road. But I gotta imagine that the home cooking is just gonna be a little bit better. Well, let's hope so. Maybe they will play poorly on the road. I mean, they they've had some road victories as well. They're not a they're just an experienced team as well as they're they're there's some depth on the Warriors that I don't think we've really touched on. I thought we got lucky game one that Iguodala played any minutes at all, and then that was short-lived when he doesn't play at all in game two, and I don't even know if he's going to play at all the rest of the series here because I for sure would have went with Gary Payton Jr. over the experience of Iguodala. I just think there's a little bit more of a wild card factor where you get at least somebody who can play some defense for more possessions than Iguodala can, as well as offensively. Sure, I'll let Iguodala shoot that corner three anytime. Like that, someone else isn't shooting that, and it. And I think with somebody like Gary Payton or even some of the rookies, at least they could drive and dunk and maybe get fouled and put someone else in a in a tougher position. They could put pressure on our bigs who are likely already going to be in foul trouble, or they could 
you know, I just I just feel like you get a little bit more flexibility with guys like Gary Payton Jr. and um in uh, Kaminga and Moody, like those those guys, I I wouldn't be shocked if I started to see the rotation expand a little bit, especially if this turns into a really small series right now. Like I, I'm worried that we're not going to be able to play Time Lord and Horford anymore. It, it seems like overkill. Where we don't need that much rebounding, and we're almost losing some firepower on offense. But I don't know. Do you think it's more likely to be a repeat of Game One or Game Two? Because it, it feels like there was two different strategies in two different games. I, I I think they were a, a little bit closer than than you might think. Where midway through the third in the first game, the Warriors just didn't go supernova. They got hot. They 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 were getting out of hand, and then we were able to kind of reel it back in. And then the fourth, we started off fast. Where in last night's game, they once they got to that twelve, thirteen, fourteen point, they were able to supernova, get it up into into the twenties, and going in the fourth, and it was just oof, this. This mountain's too big. We didn't even bother playing our playing our starters. You get game over, so you can't let it get to get to the supernova level. Well, one other thing I want to mention is game one. Tatum struggles. Jalen Brown has a great game. Horford has a great game. Derek White has a great game. Tatum finishes, I think, with 15 assists in game one, and in game two he plays a lot better. And I saw some people saying, well, you know. Horford didn't take a shot till the second half and, you know, other guys didn't, didn't hit their normal threes that they did in the first game. And if anything, I just want to remind everyone that all those other guys scoring in game one was great, but they're the second, third and fourth option. The first option is Tatum. So if Tatum's open, like he was in game two, he's going to shoot it and he should shoot it. And you know what that means when he shoots it? That means the third and fourth option doesn't get to shoot it. So Horford doesn't get a shot then. And and maybe it was the right decision, maybe it was the wrong decision, but I'm going to trust Tatum at this point to take shots that he's capable of making and hopefully make them and, and to pass up shots that when the trap comes or if they're going to force him to do that, he was very capable of doing that in game one. So if anything, these other guys that feel like they got shortchanged this second game better be ready game three because I think they're going to trap Tatum again and say, well, we're not going to let you do this and we're going to try and hope that Horford doesn't go six for six and White doesn't hit five threes and... And it may be the right strategy, but in game one, all those shots were open, which is why I think Tatum was totally fine with 15 assists. I don't think anyone was like, oh, yeah, he had a really bad game with 12 points and 15 assists. Like, no, that's that's the point guard that this team has been dying to have right now. In the past, it's been Marcus Smart. It was great to see that it was him, especially because they were putting him in positions where he had to make plays, and he made them. So I, I'm, I'm excited for the way the Celtics have kind of just played within themselves. And I, I know there's this just a heat stroke in, in the third quarter for, for the Golden State Warriors where they just go on like a 22 to three run or something immediately off the get-go. If yeah, we could just, just have it so fast. If we could just, you know, you know, get the fire hydrant out a little bit, you know, pour a little water on this, you know, maybe, maybe we can, you know, hold off them a little bit. And I don't know if that's the easiest thing to say and do, but if you, if you look at the quarters again, I know this is such a terrible thing. All playoffs we've been saying the Celtics, well, we won three out of the four, but the one, one we lost, we lost by like 30. It's like that happened again. I mean, you can kind of throw out the fourth quarter because there's no point in really putting the effort in. Let's just mail it in. We got the 1-1. One, one, let's go home. But we kind of won the first two quarters. What, what are we up to at half? We're down yeah, we to? We're down to We're down half. to at half. All right. So we, yeah, I think we, we, we kind of well, – the, the, the end of the second – or the, the end of the first half was, was not good. All right. So they're toss-up games, though, is what I'm saying. It's the first half. We're, we're right there. We're within striking distance. We're within two points of actually winning both of these quarters. And in the third quarter, we get smacked. In the fourth quarter, you throw it out. But 
you know, half this game, we're, we're, we're right there. It's the NBA Finals, and we're in it, and we're doing everything right. We didn't do anything wrong. I do, I do wonder which team can actually play better, though, or if this is much more of just the way they are right now. Like, do you think the Celtics are capable of playing any better than they did in Game 1, or do you think the Warriors are capable of playing any better than they did in Game 2? I think the, the solution for the Celtics is just don't turn the ball over. We had so many live ball turnovers. I think at the half, they had scored 13 points off of – I don't even think it was just the turnovers. I think it was ju- 13 points off of live uh, turnovers. So you're always going to turn the ball over a little bit. But, I mean, if you can cut that in half and now you're going into the half with a you know four- or a six-point lead rather than being down two, I think that just puts more pressure on the Warriors. I think that if you are down or it's close – I mean, pool. You know, you maybe maybe the end of the half or you know the end of the third quarter. You know, you, you you're launching, but those really deep shots. I think that you maybe maybe you think a little bit more. Maybe those those shots are a little bit harder when you're already up by 15 to 20 points. Throw it up there. You know, you 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 can swing this hammer if you miss. Man, who cares? But when it's closer, well, now all of a sudden it's uh, should we should we have done that? You know, it was only four seconds into the into the shot clock. Maybe we should have passed once or twice. And I think that you know it can start to eat away a little bit so i think it has to do i i think maybe the the line was either 15 or 16 turnovers and when the celtics have more turnovers than that they've lost every game and when they have less than that uh they've won the majority of those games so i think it's just about being being smart with the ball i I think some of it was that the warriors were more aggressive in this game than they were the game before i think right off the bat when Al Horford went to rip through on Draymond and Draymond immediately got his hand in it and it was a, it was a jump ball. It reminded me of, uh, I think it was game five. It was one of the middle games of the, the, the heat series. It was after we had lost. It was after Bam had had a really good game. And the next time when we opened up first possession, Bam got the ball and Al Horford was all over him. Not, I, I'm kind of guarding you just all up, in his business saying you, you, you can try to beat us, but it's going to be a lot harder this, this game. And I think Draymond very similar last night said, I'm going to take this uh, personally and I'm going to do everything in my power. And like that first possession, I mean, the Celtics still uh, retain possession, but I, I think we need, we need to be more aggressive and hopefully the, you know, the refereeing is, you know, balanced where because I, I think we can we, we've gone against Milwaukee we've gone against the the Miami those are rough and tumble teams and we, we're ready for it so just can't just can't turn the ball over repeatedly all right how many games is the series going uh season six season six all right I I in in the circumstance it goes seven how do you feel about us winning on the road because I I don't feel like it, winning six or seven. It's no different to me. I, I don't. I don't see any. I don't have any issues playing there in, in Game Seven. I, I really don't. I, I think if anything, we are the most prepared we will ever be to win a road game at Game Seven, based on just the history of the playoffs for us this year. We've already done it once. I was not, not in San Francisco, but we've already had to go on the road and win a Game Seven, and it's incredibly hard. So I would just prefer not to have to do it again. All right, we do have two other little side basketball topics here where the Utah Jazz's coach, uh, Quinn Snyder, is no longer their coach. He is going to be walking away, and there's been some weird just some weird drama around it. Of uh, I don't know if Donovan Mitchell is using this as the excuse to 
be upset with something or or if he's actually genuinely upset that this coach isn't there. I, I saw something where he was like, well, my extension, you know, one of the big factors was uh, Snyder being there. And it's not even like they got rid of Snyder. Snyder's leaving. So, I mean, he might have been fired and just said, I'm going to leave instead or whatever. I, I don't know how that actually played out behind the scenes. But I, you think this is just more noise of, of uh, maybe – Mitchell trying to find his way out of town and to find trying to point his finger at well this is this is why you guys you guys did me wrong here I'm upset now there's definitely been some weird Donovan Rudy situation going on for for a while it's been back and forth they've had to address it publicly that can't be fun whether you are good friends or you're not good friends of hey we're at the very least we're co-workers and we're making we're trying to make this happen uh Quinn Snyder had pretty good regular season success, but I think that they did not have the success that you would have thought would have translated from that regular season success into the playoffs. And he's been there for eight years. When he's been somewhere almost a decade, it totally makes sense that you haven't had the success that you were looking for. If there really is some Donovan Rudy stuff and it's just not going great of just a, Hey, you know what? I think, I think, uh, I think Quinn said, I think they need, a new voice in the in the locker room. Brad Stevens said something similar last year, and just, hey, I'm I'm gonna move on. I, there, there's no hard feelings or anything. Just, I'm gonna go on my way. Maybe take a year off. I I, I can't imagine that uh, he won't get another opportunity. Like I said, he, he was pretty successful bringing the Jazz uh, back to 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 relevance um, after you know Jerry Sloan was there for 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 a long time. I, I would but, I would hire him. I'll just say that. So like I I would hire him. I wouldn't get rid of Ime for him because obviously we were successful right now. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't do anything quite like that. But if, if I didn't have a coach, I, I, w- I would hope that he would be in the, the realm of consideration. Yeah. If, if this was last year, cause it was right around this time last year when uh, Brad got the promotion or moved uh, to, you know, to, to management and we didn't know who the, who the coach was going to be. And so if Quinn had just been fired or, you know, they mutually agreed to part ways and, the, the news came out and said Celtics were interviewing Quinn or looking around. I would definitely view that as a positive. Now, while they will be on the, the coaching search, the Lakers have filled their coaching search as well as a uh, little press conference uh, this this week in, in attendance with some, some interesting players who have not left the trading rumor block and might not ever leave the trading rumor block ever again. I think he's constantly going to live there. And that player is Russell Westbrook. What what's going on with this? I, I I'm trying to. It, it's almost like they're trying to fool everybody into increasing his trade value by saying, you know what? No, we really like Russ. Like we're not going to trade him. You guys couldn't make an offer for him anyways. He's off the market. We love him. He's a hell of a player. Like they're trying to entice someone else to, into being suckered into trading for him. I I don't know what other strategy you could have other than that right now. Is, is that what's going on here, or is this just is this just a head scratching Lakers situation where they don't know what they're doing? First off, one of my favorite things that we spent a half an hour talking about the Celtics in the finals, and then afterwards we're talking about a weird coach getting introduced with their one of their star players because that's the big news that's going on with the Lakers. So big fan of that, just, just starting that off. I think you have to. I think you're not going to be able to trade him. He, he's going to make 40-plus million and pretty much – Every time you say it's contract isn't tradable, it gets traded and it's just uh, amazing. But I think anybody that would take on that much salary would need other compensation. And normally that is in 
multiple draft picks or at least one draft pick, and the Lakers don't have any from the Anthony Davis trade. So they have nothing of trade of a draft pick value to add to him. So I think this is one of the situations of, well, we can be pissy about this and be upset, but that's not going to work. So we have to figure this out. Uh, what What is Westbrook's role going to be? And it is interesting, not, not only that the, the new coach, uh, Darvin Ham, said some really nice things about Russell Westbrook, but that also that Westbrook was there. This is the offseason. I mean, are you going into work during your offseason? I don't think so. I think if you're the Lakers, though, this is the best thing you could have. You need to have Russ engaged. I, I think last year there was, especially the way it ends, it didn't end the way anyone thought it would. It went even worse than even their worst nightmare of what they thought it could go. And then at the end of there the was playoffs. there there was just a lot of usage complaining. I thought I thought Westbrook towards the end of it being like, well, you know, I only played twenty minutes, and you know, I, I only got this many. Like it just seemed like there was a disconnect there. Him being at the press conference tells me that he's at least engaged in the season and that he still cares about this, as well as he's going to kind of have this coach's back because this coach is showing him some loyalty, and maybe that's all it's going to take to get Russ on board. I mean, do you think there's any scenario where this actually can work though? Like, can can we get? Maybe not MVP Russ, but can we get something between that and what he was last year? Like that's still a decent player. It's an out. It's an outrageous contract, which is never going to sound good. But you know what? There's a lot of outrageous contracts out there. If he could be a Tobias Harris equivalent, which I'm not even sure he's capable of, but that's another guy that's making a whole lot of money, and at least he's a good role player. I I really think that it has nothing to do with Russell Westbrook, or maybe I shouldn't say nothing, but very little to do has way more to do with how much does LeBron have left in the tank? Can he stay healthy? And have we already seen Anthony Davis peak and his best days are behind him? If Anthony Davis can come back at the level that he was in that championship season and LeBron can just be even B, B plus LeBron, then all these, I think all this Russell Westbrook stuff, it's way less at, at the top of the list. If he's the third guy, not the first guy, it's it's way easier, I think, for for that whole team. I actually think if he's going to be the third guy, they're going to be even more trouble. I think he needs to be like the fourth or fifth guy, and that's that's fine. I think he could be an explosive bench player. The the one thing that they didn't get last year that I think we all thought worst case scenario they'll at least get this is LeBron's going to be able to coast some nights and let Westbrook go do his thing. Those were the nights that were the worst nights because Westbrook never was able to, you know, actually take over a game and actually be in control yeah. of it. And LeBron had to put more miles, more minutes, more points on the board, and then it became a little bit of a record-chasing thing for him. And, and I, I just wonder going into next year is if they're able to actually get something out of Russ because, let's face it, man, this guy's got a motor. It doesn't turn off. It runs at 100%. That's the only way it works. It's the only way it's ever going to run. And if you could utilize that, if you could just steer it in the right direction – I think there's still some magic left there, and LeBron is going to need that, and AD especially is going to need that because when's the last time he's managed to stay healthy? He stays healthy for the one year, and they win the championship. I think if he stays healthy again, you're at least in the conversation, or at least you have three guys or two guys capable of carrying you somewhere and going somewhere that other teams wish they had. And you just got to hope you can make a value out of Westbrook that way. I thought I think that was the worst thing about it was they thought he would be a workhorse next year or last year, and he just wasn't. If anything, he was better off only playing 20 minutes a game because he was that detrimental. And I and I just wonder, are we going to try and take away 
you know, are we trying going to save LeBron a little bit, or are we just going to roll him out there and say, hey, man, sorry, this this Westbrook thing didn't work. We need you every night, just like you've always been. I know we thought we were going to be able to, you know, put some energy into Westbrook and let you coast a little bit, but that's that's not going to happen. We tried it. It didn't work. It's not going to work. You better come ready to play 40 minutes every night. And that, that's going to be a tall um, task, man, for, for a guy at LeBron's age at this point. I mean, let's face it. This isn't this isn't peak LeBron James anymore, as well as because it's not peak LeBron James anymore, the peak free agents are not coming to LeBron's team anymore. The wrong guys are coming now. The old guys that nobody else wants are the ones coming over there to be like, oh, LeBron's going to take Melo on. You know, that's that's where you're going to end up going. It's You're not getting the right free agents anymore and i think they learned that lesson last year it'll be interesting to see what kind of stuff they try to pull off this offseason because they need they need to make some changes and they don't really have a lot of flexibility well they actually they they have some flexibility but it's because for next year i did not realize this they have seven guys under contract and two of them have player options one of them's russell westbrook and the other one's kendrick nunn and I have to imagine that both of those guys are going to take that money and run. But only only seven? I mean, they had a ton of guys on minimum salaries last year. So, you know, I, I, we got to imagine they're just going to fill it in with more minimum salary guys. But minimum salary guys don't really usually sway how your team goes. So, yikes. They, they could for a LeBron team, though. But I don't think they're going to get the right guys. If you're if you're a guy that you that could actually make an impact on the Lakers, why are you picking the Lakers over Golden State, the Clippers, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami? Like why why are you picking the Lakers over all of these other teams? Like I think there's eight teams I would I would rather probably ten teams I'd rather go to than the Lakers right now. And, and that's I think that's where they're going to really struggle. I think LeBron has had the advantage they, of they have having LeBron, and they they have Southern California, and both those things we've uh, seen have worked time and time again. Well, all right, that's that's enough uh, basketball stuff for today. All right, how how about I rip apart Top Gun real quick and uh... <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, I'm excited for the second movie. I know you already saw it. I am going to go see it. I rewatched the original the other day, and I, and I, I really don't want to actually tear it apart. I mean, it's just an old movie. I, I understand the fighter pilot stuff is, is awesome footage, and at the time of, when it came out, it was probably mind-blowing that they were able to get this and the sound and the speed and to see it all, but it's just a really bad movie. It's, it really is. It's a terrible romantic. The, the storylines are awful. The, the I, Roger Ebert is, is a famous movie reviewer. I think you said something like, uh, if you watch just the, the jet scenes, you're really going to enjoy the movie. But if you watch the scenes that don't have the jets in it, you're really going to struggle through this movie. And so that's that's kind of <laughs> how I feel through I feel about this movie, like exactly that that way, where it's, there's a lot of cool things in there. But there's a lot of like weird stuff that I don't know what it has to do with anything, and I don't know what audience is trying to appeal to, but it's not me. <laughs> All that being said, I, I'm very excited for the second one, the anticipation of essentially having this movie done for, what, two years now? And it finally coming out, finally getting the summer release that they've been dreaming about for two years. I, I, I think that I think they did it right. I, I imagine they did it right. You actually saw it. How, what did you think? So I went with a with, with work, work work group and uh, work in the uh, defense industry. So we uh, we got to see some of our uh, our products out there. So that was that was very cool. There was a lot of uh, you know elbow elbow nudging. Uh, I very much agree with waiting waiting the two years this 
this is not the movie that you fire up in the middle of the afternoon and you just watch on your on your TV and you, you go for it. There are plenty of movies where that is fine. This is a movie I saw it in IMAX. See it in the theaters. You're saying with the with the first one, uh, whole bunch more jet scenes and to see see that on the big screen where the sound system is when that jet takes off. You know your your shakes your your seats shaking a little bit. It was a it was it was a fun ride. Uh, I think that it's pretty pretty action packed the, uh, the the full way through. If you like the first one, you're for sure gonna like the the second one. There's a lot of I I would say there, there's winks to the first one, and then there's just full on I don't even know what you call it, just like handshakes or, or like high fives of just like hey remember when we did this in the first one remember how cool that was we're just gonna do it again and I I thought it was fun they weren't trying to make a I, I think like a masterpiece it was hey we had this movie we made 30 40 years ago uh, I thought Tom Cruise looked great and just yeah a whole bunch of yeah remember that that scene yeah that that, that was fun. I, I want. I want to see that again, and I had a. I had, I had a great time. I would definitely recommend uh, pe- people go see it. All right, I, I got a couple follow up questions here. Is there any scenes where they play volleyball in jeans? No. Okay, because that's that's a weird one. Um, is there any scenes where a woman invites somebody over, and your first instinct is, "Can I take a shower?" I assume. No. I assume that didn't happen either. I just these are just weird things happening in this movie all the time that just don't make sense, and then they they just they just fit. All right, it's a fun movie. All right, it's supposed to be fun. I understand that, but it doesn't do very well in a critical sense, and that's that's fine. There's movies that are supposed to be critically, you know, uh, you know, analyzed, and there's movies that are just supposed to be fun. This is a fun movie. I wouldn't go over critical. That's a good way. That's that's a good way of putting it. Because while I was watching it, it was. And maybe next week or when you watch it, we can go through a little more uh, with spoilers and, and such of, hey, this is what I like. This is what I didn't like. It, I wasn't thinking this is a perfect movie. But I think some of those perfect movies that win the awards, you watch those once and, and that's it. But this was I was I was entertained, you know, to two. You know, I don't even know how long the movie was, but you, you went in, you kind of knew what to expect and left. And it was I, I had fun. I was entertained. I don't know if I'm any smarter or any better of a person or anything like that, but I definitely had a good uh, good time that afternoon. That, that's definitely what movies should mostly be about. I think we almost have uh, we have too many movies and too many entertainment options at this point where you're, you are critical of it because you're choosing to watch something over something else versus there was a point in time, you know, like the whatever era Stranger Things are in. Like when something came out, you just went and saw it because there wasn't anything else to go see. There wasn't any. There wasn't any other album to go listen to. That the, when it came out, that, that was the newest thing, the best thing that could have been was that. Whether it was good or bad, it was it didn't matter. It was it was something to go out and do. It was something fun to experience. So I, I hopefully this movie plays into that, and it sounds like it does. And I, it, it's kind of strange. Uh, you know, we haven't had a Tom Cruise movie in, in two years. I think that's the first time in his career he hasn't released a movie. Uh, every he's released at least one movie every year, and I think the past two years are the first years we didn't get new to Tom Cruise movies. So. Uh, good to see him back on the big screen. I will definitely see that movie at some point this week. I, I was going to go see it after watching the new one, or the first one over the weekend, but I just I just needed a Top Gun break, all right? It's just, <laughs> it's not too much masculinity, but it's it's too much masculinity, all right? It's just too much, it's too much of, of and you, the worst thing is I'll defend Tony Scott, the director, to the end of the day. I love a lot of Tony Scott movies, and they all have their weird quirkiness and outrageous parts of them as well, but man, Top Gun, I, I would 
I, I just, it's not a good movie. I'm sorry. It's fun, but it's not a good movie. I, I, I'm, I'm all right with that. Right? I, the listeners are, are killing me right now. I can hear them right now in the comments. This isn't good. This, this isn't going <laughs> to age well. But uh, hopefully it'll age well uh, for the Celtics going on, uh, you know, two games at home here. And, you know, I, I don't know how many, how many games are we going to get before the next podcast on Monday? Are we going to get two more in? Three? Uh, we definitely play Wednesday, Friday, and then there might be a little longer because we'll be headed back to, uh, yeah, Wednesday, Friday, and then next Monday. So we'll be we'll be podcasting right before Game Five. Oh man! Well, hopefully we have a good storyline then. Uh, anyways, we'll we'll be back next Monday. Go Celtics and go see Top Gun. Just just go do it. All right, don't listen to me. Anything else you want to add to the people out there? Go Celtics. All right, we'll be back. Little column A, little column B.